morning, everyone. The reading this morning is taken from Job chapter 28, beginning at verse 9. People assault the flinty rock with their hands and lay bare the roots of the mountains. They tunnel through the rock. Their eyes see all its treasures. They search the sources of the rivers and bring hidden things to light. But where can wisdom be found? Where does understanding dwell? No mortal comprehends its worth. It cannot be found in the land of the living. The deep says, it's not in me. The sea says, oh, it's not with me. It cannot be bought with the finest gold, nor can its price be weighed out in silver. It cannot be bought with the gold of Ophir, with precious onyx or lapis lazuli. Neither gold nor crystal can compare with it, nor can it be had for jewels of gold. Coral and jasper are not worthy of mention. The price of wisdom is beyond rubies. The topaz of Kush cannot compare with it. It cannot be bought with pure gold. Where then does wisdom come from? Where does understanding dwell? It is hidden from the eyes of every living thing and concealed even from the birds in the sky. Destruction and death say only a rumor of it has reached our ears. God understands the way to it, and he alone knows where it dwells. For he views the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. When he established the force of the wind and measured out the waters, when he made a decree for the rain and a path for the thunderstorm, then he looked at wisdom and appraised it. He confirmed it and tested it. And he said to the human race, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to shun evil is understanding. Amen. Thank you, Edwina. May God's name be blessed through the public reading of his words. Um, welcome to Cairns Road, everybody. My name is Marky Mitchell. I'm the minister here. I realize that we've got a few visitors today. Um, we've got 59 devices connected as part of our gathering, and it's encouraging to see so many people uh, logged in. Um, as you have realized, uh, you for those of you who have joined us today, you're just bang on the middle of the series on the book of Job. 
and until now we've been talking a little bit about Job, we've been talking a little bit about the interaction and the dialogue that he has had with his friends, and today we're going to stop at chapter 28, which is the interlude. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with Job's story, is a story based on a book of the Old Testament, and um, it's historically located in the early stages of the of the Old Testament, and it's talking about a man with his family, and the way that the Bible describes Job is a he was a, a righteous man who shunned evil, and he he gets into um, this uh, whirlpool of suffering, and um, he wants to know the answers. Why is this happening to him when he has not done anything wrong? And he's got a few friends who come and in their attempt to try and help him out, they first of and foremost start with a week of silence. And then they want to, 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 to try and give answers to the reason why they see Job as suffering. And they've got their own take on why they they um, think the way they think, although their uh, understanding is that if you've done something wrong, you're going to suffer. If you have not done anything wrong, then you'll not suffer, which is a, a wrong understanding of suffering. And I'll be sharing a screen shortly uh, with you and I'm going to be sharing some slides. But there, there we are. We've got um, this book, which is full of um, poetry and um, the the beauty of um, Hebrew poetry is not in the rhyme. The beauty of uh, Hebrew poetry is in the sense that it imparts. And this is full of poetry. Even chapter 28 is full of poetry. Just to give you an overview of where the book of Job fits um, with its structure and the plot and uh, the narrative. So we've got Job who, who is stricken by this suffering. Then we've got his first lament in the early chapters, first ch chapter three. Then we've got a big block of this dialogue, which comes in three cycles between Job and his friends. And then we are stopping today in Job 28, where uh, there is this interlude where wisdom is revealed. And then for the next three Sundays, we're going to be thinking a little bit about the the epilogues of um, Elihu, who is another friend, Job himself, and then God. Um, so this is where we are today. We are in this um, chapter, which is a, a very important chapter in, in the book of Job. Until now, we have seen Job's friends trying to, to understand the situation that Job is in, and they've got a limited understanding of who God is. They've even got a limited understanding of what goes on on the heavenly realm. And therefore, their understanding of Job's situation is really not accurate. And they accuse him on, on several occasions. They blame him for being uh, not righteous. And Job knows that he, he has not done anything wrong. Job, Job knows that their input is really unhelpful, careless, and is not suited in the situation that he is in. 
but but Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar go in this three cycles continuously, try to to uh, grab jo Job's attention to say, "Come on, uh, you need to do something about this." One thing that is very interesting is that um, in none of the well, in all of the occasions that they interact with Job, none of them offers to pray for Job. None of them offers to find a way that, you know, even if they think that he has caused wickedness, um, none of them offer him uh, a way to turn to God, apart from just blaming and just uh, giving a verdict of what he should do, but not a way of how he should do what they've asked him to do. And I mean, who who needs enemies when you've got friends like Aliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar? It's it's quite critical. And um, now this three cycles of this conversation has finished, and we've come in chapter twenty-eight, which Edwina very kindly and very nicely read for us. And before we get into that chapter, I'd like for us to be praying together. So, Father God, thank you for the book of Job. Thank you that we can come and tune our hearts, Lord, with your word today. And we pray that you are going to reveal afresh to us things that are precious to you, things that you want us to be dealing with, in this time of pandemic and i pray lord that as we draw to you that you draw to us and you'll meet us in our questions you'll meet us in our suffering you'll meet us in our pain and again lord we continue to proclaim as your people that all our lives lord you have been faithful all our lives you've been so so good And today, Lord, we continue to trust and put our faith in the goodness of God. In Jesus' name, Amen. As we come to chapter 28, I'm aware that we come um, at this place where actually um, there is a lot of debate about chapter 28. Um, different commentators have struggled to appoint um, that person who who is speaking in this poetry in chapter 28 there is good rationale for it to be job there is good rationale to be the author of the book of job itself there is good rationale to be one of the friends um but there is no there is no uh, a common agreement of who who's written or who has given the input for chapter 28 we're not going to spend any time um in that because i think for us it's important to see the, the, the core value of why, why we were stopping in chapter 28. And I don't know if you've got big questions of whys. I have got a few. And um, in my questions, I, I don't know how, how to deal with them apart from just ask God why. And it's been interesting as I've I've grown in my walk with God and as if I've grown in my faith, some of those answers have been revealed by time that I spend in Scripture or with other brothers and sisters in Christ and other Christians. And some of it is still that I have not got an answer. 
And what chapter 28 is offering us is that momentum in, in the walk with God, where we can ask the why, the why questions, but in the same time, know that not necessarily we'll know all the answers to our why questions. So this, this until now, there has been a big question. Why is suffering? Why does God allow suffering? Why is Job going through suffering? Job does not know the reasons. The friends don't understand the reasons. We see what happens in chapter one and two in the heavenly realm. And we see in uh, retrospect what happens with the rest of the book. So we might understand, might understand a few of the answers. But actually, chapter 28 is that Eureka moment, this interlude, this, this moment where people or where the author, where Job has come to that place of, of talking and, and, and reconciling with, with wisdom. And there are two key verses in chapter 28. And there, as I said, it's a poetry and it's the sense. And it's not just the rhyme. It's not the rhyme. It's the sense. And the sense here is this big, big statements that where shall wisdom be found and where is the place of understanding? And this is the reason why Job fits very well with the wisdom literature in the canon of, of the Bible, in the canon of the Holy Scriptures. So we've, we've got verse 12 and verse 20 of chapter 28, which asks the same question. Where shall wisdom be found? Where is the place of understanding? If you see me looking into my right, I've got a big screen right to me where I'm showing all the slides. So um, bear with me as I look into my slides as, as well. But I want, um, I want to look at the main camera here. But here we are. Where shall wisdom be found and where is the place of understanding? And in chapter 28, there, it's, it's very well divided in, in kind of three main parts. There are two, two stanzas there, but there's three main parts. And we've got verses 1 to verses um, 11, which is the first part. And then we've got bang on in the middle, verse 12. Then we've got verses 13 to verses 19 which is the second part. And then we've got verse 20, which is again uh, the same, where shall wisdom be found? And then we've got verse 21 to verse 28. And we're going to stop um, briefly in each of these parts. The first thing that is very clear here is that um, in verses, the first 11 verses of chapter 28, it is very clear that whoever has written that chapter, whether Job or friends or the author, um, they are making a great statement here about the success, successfulness and the cleverness and the ability of humankind to discover. So we've got this, this ability as humans to discover. And he, he will list there different things, you know. I mean, it shows about the, the, the riches of the earth, but also it shows about the ability of humankind, of mankind to, to, um, to discover, 
to find things, to, to, to find jewels, to find silver, to find uh, copper, to find, you know, all these things that are so precious. And, and it's, it's done with some effort, but in the end of the day, this effort has been rewarded. And yet, the statement is that in the attempts for mankind, for humankind, to find wisdom, this part has not been as successful as the part of finding the jewels. So, so the author of this chapter is saying that in all the attempts that humankind and, and people have to, to find, to, to search, to discover, to celebrate their discovery, they are not in a position to unearth wisdom. So we need to bear in mind here that this is poetry and it comes very nicely. The, 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 the author here sings as a poet. Uh, he speaks as, as a, a philosopher. But also I think there are things here that he sees as a prophet to prepare for what's going on from chapter 29 onwards, but also to prepare people for what to expect from God. So this is a hymn of wisdom. So it's not only that the man, mankind, humankind, is not in that position to unearth wisdom, but also what we see from verses 13 to verses 19, there is that element there that actually, yes, the man has achieved all these things. They, they have possessed all this great stuff. Um, like silver, like gold, like pure gold. But even with that possession, even with that state, whether, whether they are very, very rich and very successful and very industrial and very, very, very good, they have not been in a position to buy wisdom or, for that matter, to exchange it with the things that they have discovered. So it's a wisdom hymn that comes from a place that actually it's 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 inquiring uh, the 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 heart or it's it's really looking at the heart of of mankind and the ability of the mankind and yet where does God feature in all of this? So yes, there is an ability, an enormous ability to discover. Yes, technology. Um, we we think and we, we, we are very, very successful people. Uh, yes, we have discovered a lot of things, but, but wisdom is beyond that. Wisdom is beyond that. Even if, if things are logical, they don't give us the answers that we need. Even though the technology is so, so advanced where we live in, it does not yet answer the whys that I have. So there is an element there in this chapter 28 that it talks 
about the and that's the last part, the part of passage and that's verses 21 to 28 and it says that God knows where the wisdom is it's it's it, in one sense it looks like Job has come or or the author of the book of Job has come to this understanding that yes only God is the author of wisdom and he is the one that reveals the wisdom so so in the questions of why in the questions of of us trying to to make sense of what goes on around us there is that invitation to humility to accept that we are not as sophisticated as we think we are although we are so successful in discovering and wanting to exchange and 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 bring things uh, that will make wisdom to uh, or we think that will buy wisdom so one thing that is for sure here is that chapter 28 does not give us the answers to why that's clear it does not give us and i'm not here as well to give you the answers to why but i think it's so good to read such a chapter and to to once again be reminded of um that reality that we cannot discover wisdom by ourselves but wisdom has got an author wisdom has got a revealer and that is god himself yes chapter 28 does not have the answers to the questions but i think it is enough to get us along with humility and the invitation there is what the final verse of the chapter is and it said that the fear of the lord that is wisdom and to shun evil that is understanding so when we talk about the fear of the lord i know we've mentioned it a few times in the last year or so it's not that just that's being scared or the scaredness is nothing to do with that when we talk about the fear of the lord is to treat god with that um, respectful trust to know that although it does not make sense although i want to make sense of it and i'm so tempted to be like eliphaz bildad and zophar although i found myself being eliphaz bildad and zophar to try and make sense and give answers in the end of the day it's very clear that i need to trust god and there is enough here in this chapter for me to get alongside with and to accept with humility that although it doesn't make sense although it it it's not fair although what's happening to me is not acceptable because of this this and this i still choose to trust god today because he knows better because the temptation is for us 
to, to build a deal with God that it suits us. That if I know all the answers, then I will. If I do this to you, God, then you should do this. And God says no deal for that. No deal. Because the invitation for us is to trust him, even though when it's so hard to trust him when it's full of the unknown. Now, I don't say these words very lightly. I, this is not something that I, I say very lightly, but I know that God wants me to say this to you today because it's that invitation for each and every one of us to humble ourselves in our respectful trust of who God is. I want to finish with um, what does wisdom look like in the New Testament? And Jesus uses the parable that it says that it's like the wise man who built his house upon the rock. And that's the invitation that God gives us today. And the wise man who builds his house upon the rock is the person who listens to the teaching of Jesus. And I'm so pleased that we are in the New Testament. And I'm so pleased that wisdom in the New Testament is not just a notion, is not just something that I have to be philosophical about. But wisdom in the New Testament is a person. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. So the invitation today is to embrace him and to know, Lord, I know that you have died on the cross. I know you have suffered. You've been resurrected for what I'm going through now. And I totally trust you, even though it does not make sense. And as we bring this to a close, I'm mindful that there are a lot of people who are going through difficulties right now. And I wanted to stop now and praise God for being a God of wisdom, but also pray that he's going to give us the strength that we trust him and we respectfully trust him and continue to seek that wisdom that is revealed from the author and the revealer of wisdom. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you that you are our Lord. Thank you that we can trust you today, even though it doesn't make sense. We can trust you today for Dush in hospital, for Karuna and the boys. We can trust you, Lord, for those who are going through some difficult time during this time, with pain, with physical suffering, with uh, mental health suffering, Lord, and we, we don't know the whys to that. But today, Lord, we choose to trust you. And we say, Lord, would you have a breakthrough? And would you show your, you know, your amazing power with healing and restoration? And also, Lord, as we ponder about the wisdom that you invite us, Lord, I pray that as the psalmist says, that each, in each and every one of us will have that spirit that, Lord, teach us to count our days so we may have, we may gain a heart of wisdom. We ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Saviour. Amen.